Washington State Indivisible Podcast, part of the Demcast family of podcasts. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. Today, an online conference all about the coming legislative session here in Washington State. The 2021 Rewire Virtual Policy Conference is this Thursday, and it features lawmakers and other insiders discussing everything from policy issues on racism, climate, and the pandemic to the challenges over this year's budget. It is being presented by Washington State Wire, an online news source for all things Washington politics. And we are joined by the CEO and publisher, DJ Wilson, to hear more about it and to get his thoughts on the coming session. Oh, and if you are interested in a difference but are short on funds, stick around. There is a nice surprise in this episode. That's ahead. So if you follow state politics here in Washington, you may want to add Washington State Wire to your email subscription list. And if you are like me and want a special sneak preview into this year's 2021 legislative session and see how it's shaping up policy-wise, Washington State Wire is presenting the 2021 Rewire Virtual Policy Conference. This is happening on, uh, this is online Thursday, December 10th. And to tell us more about it, we are joined by Washington State Wire publisher and CEO DJ Wilson to discuss discuss. DJ, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on the show. It's it's really cool. And I, I wanted to really give people a sense of the full spectrum of things that you do. I think let's start by talking about Rewire. Uh, this is the virtual policy conference. Just briefly tell us uh, a little bit more. What is it? What will people learn? Yeah, Rewire is a pretty unique convening in that it is kind of a safe table around which you can get all of the different sides and parties and perspectives and they can engage with one another in a more thoughtful way that's about legislative issues, but outside of the legislative session itself. The legislative session is sort of by design, a little more contentious, it's a little more packed, it's a little more intense. And so Rewire allows for a little more open, a little more careful, a little more, I think, uh, uh, confident and, and you know, constructive conversation about legislative issues. And so, as you said, it happens on Thursday the 10th, and uh, we've got a range of panels. I think we have 16 panels and, of course, a couple of keynotes or plenary sessions. And uh, you, on each of those panels, you see legislators talking with advocates and, and uh, people on both sides of the aisle. And it's just a super cool uh, reminder that our, our politics can be constructive. They don't always have to be contentious and divisive. Yeah, it's really kind of uh, an exciting way to uh, almost give a, a preview of some of the, the the things that are going to be coming up in terms of discussion. And of course, the session begins on January 11th. This gives a lot of the players a chance to discuss before the session starts, as you say. And you mentioned that you have some keynote speakers. Uh, Congressman Adam Smith will be your first keynote speaker. Uh, ideally, he should be fresh, fresh off of uh, passing the NDAA. Uh, what will he be discussing at the conference? You know, a lot of folks, I think, in Washington State, I don't think that they fully appreciate how much sway Congressman Smith has in Agreed. the Democratic caucus back in D.C. And then as chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, he's kind of been a head down uh, workhorse through his career rather than a show horse. And uh, yet he's a pretty senior voice in the uh, House Democratic Conference. So he's going to talk to us, I think, about what this lame duck session looks like what the 2021 session is going to look like in Congress about the transition and what it means for Washington state and um, what we might expect out of a Biden administration that may have been maybe different than what we got out of the Trump administration. So I, I think he's, uh, he's somebody you want to listen to if you want to know 
what the future holds in a Biden administration for Washington State. Yeah, I think uh, that that's that may be an understatement in terms of the difference between how a Trump administration has uh, interfaced with our state as you know in in comparison to what we can potentially expect from a Biden administration. And as you say, I mean, uh, Congressman Smith has been in, in he's been in Congress since 1996. He really is a formidable voice there. And you know, speaking of this d- dynamic, uh, this relationship between federal and state, you have a panel of DC lobbyists who will be discussing this dynamic. Um, I should just mention there are so many compelling panels that you have lined up. It's actually going to be really hard to choose during some of these blocks. Like, for example, in the nine o'clock hour, um, you've got the pandemic's impact on the politics of climate change. You have race, racism and the policy response. You have a panel on covid demographics. I'm I'm going to be flipping coins probably all day. How do you select the subject matter for these panels? Great question, and I, I would say first, uh, you can watch them all on demand because all of our sessions will be recorded. People can come back to them and watch them. But in an effort to try to be as uh, open to thoughtful ideas as possible and to be nonpartisan policy agnostic ourselves, we, we rely on something called a convening panel. And this is about 25 or 30 folks. It includes legislators from both sides of the aisle, but a lot of different lobbyists, government relations professionals. And they get together and they tell us, hey, these are the things that we should be talking about. These are the things I'm interested in personally. And so we try to take all that input plus the input from our readers and and, and cobble together a, a jigsaw puzzle that, uh, you know, like any good jigsaw puzzle, when you like start getting the pieces to fit together, it starts kind of taking on a life of its own and it starts to look pretty cool in a way that doesn't always it's not always clear when you dump the box over and all the pieces come spilling out that you're going to get there uh, but by the time you know you get to all of this coming together uh, it really does reflect the sort of most interesting I think most thoughtful conversations taking place in Washington state and and in some cases clearly those include folks like uh, our DC uh, government relations and advocacy professionals but sometimes it's it's really kind of uh, unique to Washington State that you might not find anywhere else and you might only find in the halls of Olympia, like uh, how has the pandemic changed uh, the politics of climate change, like you mentioned? Um, for example, on that point, there's not a lot of public transit that's taking place anymore. Uh, we're not relying on our gas tax because there are fewer road trips uh, that are generating demand for the gas tax. Um, you know, just that alone, how we fund some of our, we used to think that, you know, energy taxes, or people used to think that energy taxes was a, uh, a very reasonable, or some, some people thought that was a reasonable way to help mitigate some of the offsets or the negative consequences of, of energy use. That's totally changed as a result of COVID, at least in this transportation space. So uh, that's a panel that is really thoughtful and I think really unique to Washington State. I'm very, I'm particularly excited about that one, just because of all the intersections that you talk about. You know, there's going to be a big fight for the clean fuel standard, and we know that that leads directly through Steve Hobbs and the Transportation Committee and the transportation budget. And there are just a lot of inner uh, working parts that, that kind of fit together there. So it'd be really interesting to hear a lot of the players break that apart. Uh, I will just ask you right at this juncture how people can attend. If people are interested in what they're hearing and they would like to attend the conference, uh, where can people go to learn more? Yeah, great question. They can go to our site, which is the WashingtonStateWire.com, and look at the top of the screen to register for the Rewire conference. You can also type in Rewire or, or look for it on our site. It's kind of all over the place. Uh, but we will create a, uh, a special discount code, and the code will be 
just Cox for you, our illustrious host. So people can go get the registration page, type in Cox, uh, and we'll give you a 35% discount for uh, for listening to the show and then for joining us. You only got a couple of days left to do it, but uh, that way you can save a few bucks. That is tremendous. Honestly, we did not discuss this ahead of time. So thank you very much, DJ. That's very, very kind. Um, and I really do encourage people to check this out. Uh, I think it's just going to be so worth our while uh, to know, you know, get a real sneak peek in terms of what's going to be going on um, in this session, which is really going to be one that is unlike any other. And I want to actually get a, a few of your thoughts on that before we go. But first, I just want to ask about uh, the genesis of, of your online publication, Washington State Wire. You have been a healthcare and policy consultant. You were actually an Edmond City Council member. So how did you come to start Washington State Wire? You know, I think, um, I think like a lot of your listeners, I've been a political junkie for a long time. But I felt like there were fewer voices trying to create space for constructive engagement than there were people trying to create space for destructive engagement. And in the era where, you know, Fox News and, and talk radio were sort of intentionally, and, and I, you know, cable TV and, 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 and talk radio were sort of intentionally trying to drive people towards polarization. Uh, we just thought that we had, you know, I guess enough skills and interests and, and aspirations to try to create some social utility that would hold people together. We we started that first at State of Reform, which is another healthcare or policy agnostic nonpartisan outlet. Um, and we've done that at The Wire. We took The Wire over in 2016. It had been uh, started in 2010 by some Olympia lobbyists. Uh, and, and they did a great job. Uh, two of the three passed away unexpectedly. And so we picked it up and sort of re refounded it as a um, you know very nonpartisan, like I say, outlet that was trying to be first smart. Like we tell our writers and our reporters, uh, if you can't be smart, don't write it um, because everybody has an opinion. Nobody cares about yours. So if you're going to write something, make sure it's smart and expect that everybody knows more about it than you do. And we try to lead with that. Uh, as we say, we, we try to write with fear because uh, we know that people have opinions and they know more than we do. And so we just go straight to our sources and we let them inform us about what they're doing. Um, and when we try to connect dots from one to another, which we do in my writing, uh, I do a little more than others on my team, but uh, we try to show our work. So when we say, hey, this is likely to happen, for instance, we called Frank Chop, uh, setting, uh, stepping down. We, we were the first outlet to say that there'd be a woman as Speaker of the House. Uh, we talked about Jay Inslee running for president when people only laughed at us for, about it. Uh, but we've been calling these, these, uh, these news not because we are seers or uh, future fortune tellers, but because people in Olympia tell us, hey, this is what's happening. This is where things are going. And uh, that's what we try to uh, reflect in our reporting. So, yeah, it's very much ear to the ground kind of reporting going right to the source. Um, I, I wonder generally how your editorial decisions are made. And also, do you try to strictly stay to politics in Olympia or are there statewide issues that you will sometimes cover? We definitely try to cover state policy. And that does not just mean Olympia. Um, it does mean things like uh, you know, 
the city of Seattle, for example, but because there are a lot of outlets uh, that are going to cover the news of Jenny Durkin stepping down, which we learned Just today publicly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we don't feel like we need to cover the same news that everybody else does. So we're going to have uh, a rundown of some of the people who might run and why uh, for the mayor of Seattle. We're, we're going to particularly feature some of the legislators that might run uh, and why they, they may or may not have a good shot at doing that. So we try to shine a light on stories that are different than what you're going to hear from other outlets. Um, but our, our editorial content or our editorial direction is really to sort of but we, we think of it as if you're going to ride the elevator with the uh, with the CEO and the CEO says, hey, walk with me to the boardroom and I need you to tell me in 30 seconds what I should know before my board peppers me with questions. That's what we want to write about. It, it doesn't always need to be the most uh, uh, the biggest news of the day. But, it, you know, it's these are some things that you really should know before you're going to go into that boardroom. And we, we tell folks, you know, we're not the kind of journalism outlet that requires three quotes and we don't have both sides here where one side's off by 10 and one side's off by 10 million. And we both say, we say they're both wrong and both lying. We, we just focus on the side that's about 10 off. We don't pay attention to the one that's 10 million off. And then we think that if we are fair and even-handed and smart, that over the canon of our work, people will see that we are uh, nonpartisan and data-driven. Even if in one story, we spend more time with Democrats and another story, we spend more time with Republicans because one side's off by 10 and one side's off by 10 million. So it's a little bit of insight into that. Well, I like what you say about sort of the briefing aspect of it, of being able to, you know, take, uh, you know, uh, an issue and say, prepare it for somebody who on the elevator ride up needs uh, to be briefed on it. I will tell you that I personally, as somebody who covers uh, a lot of, you know, who has interviewed a number of elected officials here in the state, I've used your uh, your online news source as a resource, and it's been just phenomenal in that regard. Um, before I let you go, and I know that you have stressed that you are not in the business of, of opinion, but you cover this stuff so closely. I'm just curious to get your thoughts on a couple of things. Um, you know, the projections are showing that the state budget is going to be about $2 billion short over the next few years. You have a keynote panel all about this, and so people can definitely learn more about this at Rewire. But I'm wondering about your personal insights and maybe predictions into how you see the budget negotiations going uh, as session gavels in. Yeah, it's a good question. And I would say, you know, um, let me first define what I think is opinion, because I think we are in a kind of post-truth era, but the fact remains that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, and that is not opinion. If we say the sun is going to set at you know in the west at 4:17 p.m. today, that is fact. And people might there are some people who think that you know we revolve around the sun, and some people think the sun revolves around us, and that's that's opinion. And that might be their truth, but I believe it's fact that, uh, at least in my experience of metaphorically watching the sunset, in my experience, the, the budget authors in the legislature are often quite apart from other legislative leadership. Uh, and so some of the contentiousness that your, your ranking members and your, your minority leader and your majority leader, some of the contentiousness that they will bring to a conversation is often quite different than what the budget writers will bring. And uh, Senator John Braun, for example, who's a Republican uh, lead on the Senate Ways and Means Committee, now the minority leader, and 
Democrat, uh, Senator Christine Rolfes, who's the chair of Ways and Means, those guys get along famously. And in terms of solving this budget, they're, they're, they're going to probably um, be negotiating. They're probably already starting those negotiations, actually, uh, behind closed doors. And they're going to negotiate that throughout the entire session. Uh, they'll bring in, of course, their colleagues, uh, Tim Ormsby from Spokane and Drew Strokesbury on the Republican side. And those four members will negotiate this mostly privately up until about the third week of March when, when budgets will come out. And I think that, uh, you know, is interesting because each of those four members are relatively moderate members of their caucuses, which means things like capital gains, uh, capital gains tax, that some of your listeners may care about, is less likely to get traction with these Democratic members. Uh, a no tax increase principled stand from the right is less likely to get traction with these Republican leaders in the budget. So I think what you're going to end up with is, because this, I've just watched the sunset in the West for years, I think you're going to end up uh, with a relatively moderate kind of uh, middling and imminently uh, efficient and non-ideological budget uh, from all four members that they'll probably launch. Uh, the House will be a little different from the Senate, um, but they'll launch the third week of March. We'll put it to bed about the 1st of April. Session will end shortly thereafter. Uh, it'll probably have some fee increases. There'll probably be some, some modest tax increases. Um, and there'll probably be a fair amount of cuts. Uh, and I would expect there likely to be a state bailout uh, from the Biden administration and, and even a, a Republican-controlled Senate. Uh, that could could mean as much as one to two billion dollars in in funds for the state of Washington. So I think it's going to be just sort of like imminently boring uh, for as, <laughs> as much national as we might otherwise expect. I think it would be really boring and and efficient and professional. Well, you you actually paint a somewhat rosier picture than I think a lot of people are anticipating, um, particularly with the Republican-controlled Senate. But we shall see. Uh, one last thing that I'll ask you, and I know that you know Representative Ormsby uh, has said, uh, as well as House Speaker Lori Jenkins, that they're expecting maybe half the legislation to get through this year as compared to the last 105-day session, largely because of the session being online. Um, there's just going to be <laughs> being able to run you know, like a parliamentary session, you know, online is just proving to be uh, extraordinarily difficult, as, as one would imagine. I'm wondering if there are any pieces of legislation or issues that you would be watching that you think actually do stand a chance. And we certainly we've heard about police reform. We've heard some things about uh, you know climate change, as I, as I said, uh, clean fuel standard. Anything you'll be watching? Well, I think the two big things uh, that have strong support, at least from the majority caucuses in both chambers, is, as you mentioned, police reform and just navigating the budget. And certainly there are strong progressive elements of both caucuses and really progressive majorities in both caucuses that want to see a uh, uh, significant effort to change the regressivity of Washington State's tax code. Uh, the second most regressive state in the country is Texas, and Washington State gives a greater benefit to the top 1% than does even Texas. So whether, however, whether there is a majority in the chamber for that, you know, has vexed those, those progressives in uh, the House and Senate Democratic caucuses for years. And I don't see that there's a, uh, a significant change in 
whether there's a majority to support substantive change to the regressivity of the tax code. So unless that majority changes, I think police reform will be the big area where there may be some, uh, may be some momentum. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering to see, I'm sort of curious to see whether that's going to be a, sort of a quick and easy sort of thing or whether Republicans will push back in some, um, you know, kind of blue lives matter sort of language. Uh, and I, I don't, I think that's very much, uh, that remains to be seen, but I think Re representative Roger Goodman, for instance, he chair of the house public safety committee. He's, he's uh, a progressive, but, um, uh, knows how to make the institution work and is, is somebody to watch for this upcoming session. Well, I will just give a quick uh, plug, which uh, I seldom do, but I will just say we just produced a town hall on civil rights that uh, it, it revolved almost exclusively around uh, police reform. And we had uh, uh, Representative Entenman, Deborah Entenman, uh, Representative Milan Tai, and Senator Jamie Peterson. Uh, so I will have that in the show notes for this. And I will also have all the information, both for Washington State Wire and for the Rewire Conference, uh, available for people. And uh, we have a special code uh, for people who would like to attend. DJ Wilson, this has been such a pleasure uh, speaking with you, man. Thank you so much. And that is it for today. I will have links to everything that we talked about at IndivisiblePodcast.org. Our email address is IndivisiblePodcast at gmail.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at IndivisiblePod. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative, Inc. and is part of the Demcast family of podcasts. Learn more about Demcast at DemcastUSA.com. Special thank you to Lori Colwell, and as always, my thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.